me my hand. Hallelujah. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Well, are you blessed? Well, how many know what book we go to tonight? Book of Romans. Hallelujah. Book of Romans. Chapter what? What chapter? Chapter 4. Yeah, we've been in chapter 4 for two weeks. Where have you been? Anyway, chapter Romans chapter 4. Now, I'm going to read this in the living, New Living Translation, but let's look at verse 9, and we'll start reading. We're going to read 9 to 16, and we'll stop at 16 tonight. And uh, we're going to get out of... Aren't you glad we've been in circumcision for how many weeks? And, uh, and so we're going to get into faith. So uh, we'll get through, through this tonight, but it's going to be very good. Romans chapter 4, verse 9. Now, is this the blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the circumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham, and I love the way the Living Bible, because it's what we've been studying in the Greek. We've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. I shared with you, the Apostle Paul's debating here, and he's telling the Gentiles and correcting them from false instruction of the Jews. But how this happened... Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before. Everybody say before. Before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith. Already had faith. See, all of this is the study that comes out in the Greek. He already had faith that God already accepted him. Already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised, before. So Abraham is the spiritual father of all those who have faith, but have not been circumcised, but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith, because of their faith, not because of the sign. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith. It wasn't the sign, it was the same kind of faith Abraham before he was circumcised. It all goes back before. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on the relationship with God that comes by faith. If God promises is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it whether we are, uh, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses or if we have faith like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. So we want to study that tonight and get into some things here. But we saw last week David was saying, thank God that we could depend upon the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. So we're going to see a little bit here about ritual justification. The Bible says in Titus 3, 4, and 5, But after that the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Everybody say with me. According to His mercy, He saved us. Thank God for the mercy of God. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we see here that God was talking about cleansing us in righteousness. And we saw the word justification, which Abraham was counted before the ritual of circumcision. He was counted as righteous before God. 
Abraham made his decision to follow God 14 years. And we're going to get into some things. Uh, You're going to see how tonight this message flows into the message of faith. Because you start seeing something here. Abraham received the promise 14 years before he did the sign of circumcision. Between Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 17, there's 14 years. Abraham was accepted 14 years before the sign of the covenant and the promise. He was 14 years before. Also, you'll see, because he accepted being righteous in God by faith 14 years before circumcision, he also accepted being called a father before he was a father. And Sarah, a mother before she was a mother. And Isaac as alive before he even existed. The promise was made to Isaac even before Abraham was a father. So we see that all of this is a work of faith and not by works. Abraham believed the promises of God here. He believed in the Lord and the Lord counted him righteous. Even 14 years before he was circumcised in Genesis 17, 9. He was counted righteous long before he underwent any ritual. His righteousness meant he was accepted by God and it did not depend upon ritual. It was not dependent upon religious acts. It was dependent upon faith and almighty God. And we're going to see the heart of God as it comes out, the heart of Abraham towards God as it comes out in Hebrew tonight. His righteousness depended upon his faith and faith alone. God accepted Abraham in righteousness because he believed God and his promises. I want to read to you. You can look it up if you want to. Jeremiah chapter 31 through 34, uh, about 450 years before Jesus came. Jeremiah gave this prophetic word in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Listen to this word. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. He's talking about the day of Christ. When I will make a new covenant. So everybody say a new covenant. A new covenant. The blood of Jesus with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant. Listen to what he says here. And the Jews were still wanting to kill Jesus over this. But he was prophesying. It's not going to be like the covenant which I gave to your fathers in the day I took them out of the land of Egypt. Because they broke that covenant. Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. How many can praise the Lord for that? Amen. Their sin I will remember no more. Now, how many of you know sin is not removed because of ritual? It is removed because of faith. Thank God for the mercy of God that brings that into relationship. Now, here in Romans 4, we're talking about a covenant. A covenant is an agreement between, it used to be an agreement between two people, still is. And in this covenant, two people in those days, Abraham did it in Genesis where he took a red heifer and he cut the red heifer in half. He cut the, the, uh, the, the uh, animal in half and he was separated on two sides. In the middle was full of blood. And usually what would happen was the two parties would stand in the middle of that blood in between the two halves of that red heifer and they would make a covenant standing in blood and they could turn around they could see their footprints in the blood and they had blood on their feet as they would make a covenant between them. God wanted to make a covenant with Abraham. But God knew that Abraham wouldn't be able to uphold anything in the covenant because Abraham was a man. 
Abraham's righteousness and part of the covenant would only be done by faith. And Abraham, knowing how to do covenant after the heifer was cut in half, Abraham was going to get in, walk in there and make a covenant with God. But before Abraham could walk in between the, that, that animal cut in half, the Lord blew him to the side. And it says that a red torch and a fiery furnace walked in the middle of the halves of that red heifer, which is a signal that Jesus, the Son, and God the Father walked in between those two pieces cut in half and God made a covenant with his son and his son made a covenant with God because there's no way any man could ever uphold a divine covenant God could keep his part of the bargain but man could never keep his part of the bargain God made man in his image without sin and man still messed it up but God the father already had another planned and I shared last week he's he covered Adam and Eve's shame and he covers our shame because of faith in him and so Abraham made a covenant with God, but it was a covenant based on a covenant between the father and the son, not based upon Abraham and the father. Abraham just accepted what the father and son promised each other through faith. And that's how we are today. You and I cannot be perfect, but the blood of Jesus makes us perfect because we have faith in the covenant of God. Amen. And so the thing about covenant is that God is a holy, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And there's no way that he can consent or make a covenant with a frail human who cannot keep their side of the, of the covenant. Ooh, somebody just had a baby. Hope you didn't have it in here. It sounds like a new one. Anyway, Paul, <laughs> Paul spoke of these two covenants. One was Mount Sinai and the other was Mount Calvary. Aren't you glad we have, an, we have a covenant of Mount Calvary? The covenants of promise according to Ephesians 2.12 are God's guarantee that he will provide salvation beyond man's ability or capability in keeping the promise. It's agreement because he is a mediator of a better covenant. So we see that he was arguing here that they're saying Israel is the favored nation, that the Jews are the favored people because of the sign of circumcision. And if they wanted to be accepted, they would have to accept the signal. And Paul is saying it's based upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. In one translation it says, How is it accounted you to be righteous while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised, God made the promise with Abraham. God counted righteousness to Abraham while Abraham was still uncircumcised. God grants righteousness to all who abandon themselves and express personal faith in him. They are the ones who are assured of the blessings of Abraham. Amen. Now I want to read something to you written by some rabbis, something that they believed. It says, a man who was not circumcised was quite literally not a Jew, no matter what, who his parents was. The Jewish, the Jewish circumcision prayer, this is the prayer when they circumcise babies on the eighth day. Blessed is he who is sanctified, his beloved from the womb, and put his ordinance upon his flesh, and sealed his offspring with the sign of the Holy Covenant. You see, it was all about a sign of the covenant and not about us being sealed with the Holy Spirit because we've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad we've got a different prayer? Aren't you glad we got a different, oh, we got a different life? But they say, Blessed is he who has sanctified his beloved from the womb and put his ordinance upon his flesh and sealed his offspring with a sign of the Holy Covenant. Listen to what they say. You shall not eat of the Passover 
unless the seal of Abraham be on your flesh. The seal of Abraham was not circumcision. The seal of Abraham was faith. And they didn't even see it. But he was saying, you're not even going to, you can't even eat the Passover unless you're circumcised. You know, there are some churches who say, unless you're water baptized in our church, you can't partake of communion. That used to make me mad. When I used to hear a preacher say, if you're not a member of this church, you cannot have the wafer and you cannot have the cup. Makes me, it made me not even want to take it with them. Get the sin. Hey, you sinners, let's go outside and take the uh, non-members. Let's go have communion outside in the precious name of Jesus. That's just as religious as this. Are you circumcised? Yes. Then you can have communion. Are you a member of this church? Yes. Then you can have communion. Is your name on a row? Yes. Then you can have communion. Is your name on the row? No. Then you cannot have communion. You're going to heaven, aren't you? Yes, you're saved. Amen. Yeah. But you're not on the row, so you can't have communion. Well, I'll go home and have communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost without you. Because everywhere I go, the Father's with me and the Father's in me. Can't people be foo-foo with all their rules and regulations? Listen to what it says here. If a Gentile accepted the Jewish faith, he could not enter fully into without sacrifice and circumcision. And that's what they were teaching. You want to be a Jew? You got to be circumcised. And Paul was saying, Abraham, our father, is not based upon that. Fourteen years before, is based upon faith. He was, he was not, in fact, circumcised until 14 years after he answered God's call and entered a unique relationship with God. Aren't you glad you're in a unique relationship with God? Circumcision is not the gateway to his right relationship with God. It's a sign and a seal that he had already entered into a right relationship with God. Him being accounted righteous had nothing to do with circumcision. Everything had to do with an act of faith. Abraham, it says in Romans chapter 4, we read, Abraham is not the father of those who have been circumcised. And boy, that would make the Jews mad right there. He is the father of all those who put their faith in the living God. He is the father of everyone in every age who takes God at his word and does it. This means the real Jews are those who trust God as Abraham did, no matter the race. Jew was ceased to be a word which describes nationality. It describes a relationship with God through faith. Now, this is interesting. Listen to what the Jews believed. The Jews always believed just because they were Jews, they automatically enjoyed the privilege and the blessings and immunity from punishment. Listen to what they taught. They taught and said, if a Jew was so bad that he'd be condemned by God, there was an angel who would uncircumcise him so he could go to hell. Did you get that? This is in, the, this is in their books. They believed that if a Jew was so bad, he broke all the commandments, and there was no way he was going to get into heaven, an angel would put the skin back and send him to hell. Because the only way you could go to heaven is if you didn't have that skin. That's, that's what they believe. There's a special circumcising angel. Or uncircumcising angel however I don't know how that works anyway there was an angel up there with super glue (laughs) 
But the faith which takes God at His word and makes everything dependent not on achievement, but solely upon God's grace. God's grace is sufficient. Amen. Aren't you glad we're getting through with this so we can get into the other stuff? Amen. Hallelujah. Circumcision was not the road into God's presence. It was not what made Abraham acceptable. It didn't confer righteousness. It didn't make him just. It only signed, sealed, and confirmed he was righteous. I want to show you something. Look at this with me. Philippians chapter 3. Maybe there's some uh, Jewish precious people watching uh, by internet. Or maybe there's some religious people watching by internet. And you, and you don't believe this. Look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 2. Well, look at verse 1. This is uh, what Paul's saying here. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. He's safeguarding the faith. What is it? Verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Now, you can't get any clearer than that. He calls them dogs. He calls them people who do evil, and he calls them mutilators because they say, if you're going to be saved, you've got to be circumcised. Verse 3. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Our heart's been touched. We rely on what Christ, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. That's powerful. I rely upon what Jesus has done for us, not what I can do for God. We put no confidence in human effort. No confidence. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence, I even have more reason for confidence. So he's saying here, he says, it's not human effort. Don't be tricked. Don't let these people trick you into believing that there's other things. All circumcision is, is shadow and signs. Look with me in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Rituals, ordinances. So many things that we think, or people think will get you over. Is just symbols and signs. It has no power in it. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. This is what Paul says. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Or for, or for not celebrating. Woo! If we celebrate the holidays, we're going to have this and that and the other. Listen to what he says. Don't worry if people, for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. In other words, don't get caught up that you got to do, you got to go by all the books and you got to do everything what these people are saying and you got to keep everything up if you're going to be saved. He says, Christ is the reality. He gave his life for you, accepted his sacrifice. You accepted the sacrifice and cleansing of his blood. You were born again and your name's in the Lamb's book of life. You are saved. Well, maybe if I do all this, I'll get an extra blessing. All the blessings pertain to you when you're a child of God. Amen. You don't have to work for extra. God does not pay overtime. Just trust Him. You just love Him. You just follow Him. Amen. It's extremely important to understand that signs or, or, or 
are, uh, are important, but they're not based upon our faith. Just like water baptism, it's obedience to show that something has happened on the inside. And you accepted Jesus and you were water baptized. As the Bible says in Colossians 2.12, buried with him in baptism, wherein you were raised through faith, through the operation of God, which raised Jesus from the dead. So we see here, no matter how uncircumcised, unbaptized, irreligious, immoral, unclean person a person may have or may be, if you believe and trust God and accept Jesus, you can be born again. Amen. A person, who does not, a person does not have to begin to go to church before God will save him. A person does not have to get religious before God will save him. A person does not have to be baptized before God will forgive him. It's all at the mention of the name of Jesus. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. No. I'm going to be baptized. But if I die before I'm baptized, I'm going to be in heaven just like somebody who's been dunked 1,200 times. Amen. Jesus is my Savior. I don't have to be a perfect person to be saved. Jesus came for the lost. Isn't that awesome? Luke 9, 10, 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And I tell you, it, it, it's awesome, the good news of the gospel. I want to jump ahead and, 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 and get to verse 17 in Romans chapter 4. I want to get to faith. That, we're through with that other stuff for tonight. Thank God. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Listen to what it says. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because, because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So I want to just touch on that for the remainder of the time tonight. Faith as the source. And I want you to see that he was made. Say that word with me, made. Because all of a sudden, some things start coming to life as I was studying yesterday and today. That word made, he made Abraham the father of faith, is that same word as he made man. And any man who believes in Christ is made a new creation. He has made you a son and a daughter of the Most High God when you believe in Him as Abraham believed in Him. Everything you believe in the creative power of God, anything you need right now, if it does not exist, He can make it. Abraham is an example. He is our father of faith because he believed in things that didn't even exist yet. And that's what all these scriptures starts getting into. Paul was battling, uh, uh, if you keep holding on to circumcision as a way of saying that you're saved, you'll never grab a hold of the faith Abraham has, the faith that makes you a child of Abraham, not the circumcision, the faith. And here is, Abraham is made, and that word made made means he was established. You are not going to be, you are a son and daughter of the Most High Living God. He has made you, he has established you, his son and his daughter. God would have to be the source and the only source for the impossible, despite the impossibility. God, Abraham believed God, that God is the source. Uh, That's why the Bible says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. I love this. I put right here uh, in Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder or a maker 
of them that diligently seek Him. He is a maker of who you're not yet, what you're still struggling in, what you're still fighting in. Don't give up on yourself and don't you, quit, uh, don't you give up on God that He is not going to make you who you are called to be. He is going to build, establish, and make His church that glorious bride. Don't give up on the person you're believing God for. Abraham believed that Sarah afterwards, he was able to believe that Sarah was going to be the mother of the heir even before there was any signs that she was going to be pregnant at 90 years old. And he believed that he was going to be a father at almost 100 years old. He believed God that God was able to make something even before it was made. And we got to get a hold of that type of faith. I am righteous. I am holy. I am pure. I am strong. I am courageous. I am blessed even before I see it. The faith of Abraham is I believe it before I see it, but I know my God is able to make it possible because if it's impossible, I know my God can do it. That's the faith of Abraham. That's the living faith. It was the God who quickens the dead that Abraham believed in. The living true God, the omnipotent, possessing all power. He believed that God, he said, well, I'm going to make you Abraham heard that word made, and the first thing he thought, he said that word made is the same word when you breathed life into man, when he was still nothing but dirt, and you are the same God. I don't only believe you as the God who is able to breathe it, I believe that you're the God that is able to speak it, and you're speaking it over to me now, just like you spoke for the sun to be, and the earth to be, and everything you created, you spoke it into being, you're the God who spoke it, you made it with the power of your words, you breathed life into clay, and clay became alive, and because Abraham got a revelation of how powerful and how awesome God is, he was able to believe that even if he would kill his son as God told him to, that God who is able to raise the dead, God who is able to do things that don't exist yet, even if it seems like it's dead today it's going to be alive tomorrow because my God is the God who makes it it don't have to be before he doesn't depend on it happening before he can take it and make it right now that's the faith of Abraham that's why Abraham was able to put his only son, the heir of the promise, because God said, I'm going to give you an heir, and I'm going to make a promise with you and Sarah's son. And so he was thinking, if you're going to make a promise with my child, and you're telling me to kill him, that means that you're going to bring him back to life again, because you're the God that makes. He makes me healed. He makes me whole. He's making me of sound wisdom. He's making me sound judgment. He's making me the righteousness of God. He's making me whole. He's making me, He has established me even before I see it or receive it. Amen. Possessing all power to breathe life into dead matter. <sighs> The source of Abraham's faith was God. God who has the power to quicken, make alive, revive, rejuvenate, and raise the dead. No matter how impossible the promise seemed, God was able to fulfill it before because God is able to fulfill it because He is God. He is God. How can you believe all of this? Because my Father is God. And He possesses all power. And He can quicken and raise the dead. And if he can quicken and raise the dead. 
He could fulfill all of his promises. So Abraham had faith for the promises. Even though it was 25 years before it came. It wasn't about time. It's about the promise being fulfilled. Because God is able to make it. It says that Abraham believed the promise was sure, guaranteed to come to pass. Sarah did not get pregnant by obeying the law. Get this now. You're not going to get healed because you don't cut your hair. You're not going to get healed because you don't wear makeup. You're not, not going to get healed because you don't speak in tongues or you do speak in tongues. You are healed because you are a child of God. Sarah didn't get pregnant because of the law. The law didn't exist. Abraham didn't get fertile again at 100 years old because the law, because the law didn't exist. It was nothing but faith that my God promised me and my God can do it. So I put my trust in the God that can. I just believe God. Abraham is confronted with his own weaknesses and God promises. And I love this word here. When it says he believed, get ready. It says in the Hebrew that when God believed, it says in the Hebrew words, Abraham became weak need. He became weak need. His, his legs get out from under him. But it also means that he bowed before the one who could promise because he couldn't stand. Not because he couldn't believe. It was because the power of God was so overwhelming. He became weak need. Humbled. And believed. I don't have the ability. But my God does. Romans 4 verse 17 says it's God who gives life. It's God who gives life. You may buckle under a few situations. The doctor might have gave you a bad report. There may be some things that make your knees buckle, but you just put your eyes up like Abraham and go, but my God can and my God will and my God is able. The power of God is able to bring, this is what Abraham believed, the power of God is able to bring about anything and to perform life, even the miracle, uh, miracle of life, because he believed in God's creative ability. Abraham believed God in his creative power to where I'm over 90 years old and my wife is over 90 years old. I'm 100 years old, never been able to have a child. But if I've learned something from God is that my God doesn't need anything to make something. He created everything, even this earth I'm standing on, even these animals I'm sacrificing. God created everything out of nothing. And so if he says, I'm going to have a child, he can create anything out of nothing. I don't have to have nothing. Sarah doesn't have to have anything for God to do what he says he's going to do. Because God doesn't depend on what I have. God depends on what he can call out of nothing and make it into anything he needs it to be. And that's the type of faith that will get you over and get you through anything you're going through. It's not matter. It's not what you have. It's not what you can do. It's all about a God who can make something out of nothing and make it. Even though you don't even have it, he can give it to you. He can make it out of it. He can get mud and make eyeballs. He can get two fishes 
And feed over 5,000 with 12 baskets left over. Why? He doesn't have to have a million fish to complete the deal. He could create out of nothing and make it into more than enough. That's the faith of Abraham. That's the faith of Abraham. I don't have to have a sign in my body. I got a faith in my heart in a God who can take nothing and turn into whatever I need it to be. He called the world out of nothing. He did it with his word. And Abraham says, if he can make this world out of speaking it, he can make me fertile and my wife fertile by just speaking it. God says, you will have a son and the ovaries of Sarah could begin to shake. You could have a son and something starts happening on the inside of Sarah, uh, uh, Abraham. And uh, Abraham all of a sudden, not only gives birth, not only sows seed and has Ishmael, not only does he have Isaac, but then Sarah dies and he marries some more and has, what, five or six more kids. Why? God says, let's check your sperm count here. God ain't worried about nothing. And Abraham believed in the God who can make something out of nothing. That's the faith of Abraham. That's the faith of the church. That's the faith of the believers. How are we going to do it? I don't have to know how it's going to get done. All I know is that my God can get anything done that needs to be done. And he doesn't even need my help. Because Abraham tried to help and that's why we got war today. The same God who put his lips upon the lips of clay and breathed life into man is the same lips that has spoken Breathe. All scripture is breathe. All of this is covered by the blood and it's inspired, is breathed. And Abraham said, By the words that came across your lips, made everything that exists out of things that does not exist. Everything in this word can come to pass because it came off of your lips, out of your heart, confirmed by, by the Holy Spirit to come, to come to pass in you and ours life. <sighs> He's talking and describing the kind of God that Abraham believed in. Paul is. God spoke of a promise to the heir, to the son, before he existed. It says in, in Romans, in the sight of God or in front or bowing before his God. That there's something very important. Uh, I, I don't have time to go there, but write this down. Acts chapter 9 verse 25. This is very important to understand about the faith of Abraham. Because a lot of, a lot of times we preach Abraham believed the promise. But if you read in Romans, it says Abraham believed in God. Abraham believed in God. Now listen to this. I, I, I want to I explain this to you. In Acts chapter 8, you don't have to look there. If you remember, Philip, all of them were preaching about to, uh, getting people saved and people were getting healed and there was miracles and signs and wonders by the evangelist Philip. And do you remember the ex-witch, Bar-Jesus? He wanted to buy the power. He was worshiping the power. He was power hungry. He was amazed by the power. And then Peter and them came along, and they rebuked him. 
They said, you're so in love with the power, you haven't come to know. You'd be destroyed with your money. You're wanting to buy the power. You're worshiping the power. You're after the power. Oh, thank God for the signs and wonders. But like Abraham, it's not about the power. It's about the person who owns the power. It's not that I believe in the promises. I believe in the person who has promised the promises. And so many times we're running around and we want to get, we hear about miracles here, miracles there. Oh, if I get to Florida and they pray for me, I'm going to get healed. Or if I get here, I get healed. Oh, the power, the power, the power, the power. And people start worshiping the power. And by all the DVDs and by all the books and by all the videos and one revival after another comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. But there is a God of revival who can be with you every moment of the day. And it's it's, thank God for the power, the miracles, the signs and the wonders. But I'm not worshiping the power. I'm not worshiping the promises. I am falling on my knees and worshiping the God who can create anything out of nothing. That's why Abraham, that's why Abraham had the faith to believe in the impossible. And I read this in the Greek, in the study, in the Hebrew. And it makes you check yourself out. Do I worship the power? Do I worship the promises more than the person? Abraham did not believe because of the promise. Abraham could believe because he believed in God behind the promise. My worship is to the God of the promise. Mm. It's such a temptation like we saw with Bar-Jesus to worship the power and get our eyes off of the person of Jesus Christ. Abraham's faith was not in works, but in God and his word. To Abraham, like Paul, there was no separation between the God of creation, listen, and the God of redemption. If you can believe that God can create you can believe that God can redeem. So if you believe that God can make alive, you can be willing to offer that which is alive and make it dead. Because if you already believe in the creator, your faith is already in the redeemer. I believe in redemption because I believe in the creative power of God because Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. But he had been saying all of his life, destroy this temple. But on the third day, the God who created is the God who redeemed, killed his body. But I'm going to come back <laughs> as King of kings and Lord of lords because my faith is in the creator. I can be the redeemer. Abraham believed because the creator promised it to me, I'm going to be a father. Because the father promised to me, by his stripes I am healed. Because the father promised it by me, all my sins are cast behind his back. Because the Father promised to me that God who creates is the God who redeems. The God who redeems is the God who creates. It all works together. That's the faith that Abraham had. That's why when he says, take your only son and kill him, Abraham did not hesitate. He got up the next morning and went and laid his son, tied him up, laid him up, was ready to 
plunge the knife. Why? Because you're my redeemer because you're my creator. And because I know you as my creator and I worship you as my creator, I know you're going to redeem him back to life again. You're going to buy him back. You made me and my wife have a child out of nothing only by your words. Therefore, I know I'll stab my son. I'll burn him as a burnt sacrifice. But you're going to speak to the ashes. And my son's coming back because you promised me I'll have a child. I had a child. You promised that he'd be the heir. He has to come back to life to be the heir. So you, you spoke to me. You spoke to Sarah. We had him. I'll kill him. You'll speak to these ashes. And out of these ashes, Isaac will come. And we'll go right back down the mountain. Because I told the men when we were coming up, me and the lad are going yonder to worship, but we're coming back. I'm going to kill him. But he didn't tell the men that because they would have tied him up. But he said, I'm going to kill my son. He was saying, in his heart, in his heart, he had already killed Isaac. He killed Isaac knowing God, knowing God, knowing God was able to raise him back up again. Me and the lads, we're going to Mount Moriah. I'm going to sacrifice him obedience to God because I've already learned that my faith is in the God, the God of the impossible, the God creator, the God almighty. And I know that he's going to redeem my son, buy my son back, get my son out of the ashes, form him anew, and we're coming back down the mountain he's going to be killed ashes brought back to life and then gone then we're coming back down the hill and he's going to be totally whole again it was that type of faith the angel says you don't have to because now god has swore that he's going to provide himself a lamb and the creator did not need a man to get mary pregnant He did not need sperm to get in the egg for the Savior. He did not need. He's the creator. <laughs> he created the Redeemer. And the Redeemer's in you and I. Any man be in Christ. I've been buried and killed. Because I believe that the creator has redeemed me. And I came up a resurrected man and son, and you are daughter of the Most High God. Mm. God could give, if Abraham believed this way, if God could give life to me and give life to Sarah and give life to Isaac, he can give life to Isaac again. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he could heal in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus can heal today. Amen? God says, I'll do the impossible. And let me finish. I know I've gone over time, but it's worth it. Got a revelation about that for this Sunday. Second Corinthians chapter 1, and I'll finish with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Oh, man. Who says church is boring? Makes you want to go kill your cat and see if something happens. <laughs> now you're going to report me. It says, we think you ought to know Dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia, we were crushed, overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, verse 9, 
we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on the God who raises the dead. Woo! We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we'd never make it through. We expected to die. But then we remembered Father Abraham. He's not my father because of circumcision. He's my father because he's the God who can raise the dead. And as Abraham believed that he was able to raise the dead and make anything out of nothing, even though we're overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we feel like we're going to die, I'm remembering something. There was no way in the world Abraham or Sarah or any of the prophets or anyone in the Old Testament or the New Testament could ever do what they were able to do. But they kept on believing and believe in the power of the God who makes all things new. And so we're not going to die. And if we do die, he's going to raise us up again. In fact, they stoned Paul and left him to dead. They dragged him out of the city. They're going to have a funeral. But Paul, God raises Paul from the dead. He stands up and he says, I'm not dead. Let's go back and let's preach some more. Why? There was a faith in a God. I'm not out till God says I'm out. I'm not dead till God says come to heaven. It's not over. No matter if I'm beyond my wits and I can't anymore. Nothing's over. Nothing's final. It is not the end. In fact, what I was going to tell you Sunday, I'll tell you right now. These movies now are different than the movies before. Now, when you watch the movie and it ends the end, usually it's not the end. The best part comes after the end. The best part comes after the credentials. When it says the end, you better sit there in the movie and just keep watching because something's going to come up you weren't expected to come up in the old days when it said it was the end it's the end Hollywood said it's over get out but now when it says the end it's not the end there's some good parts coming so I want you to know that faith in the God Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and the Word of God though anybody ever tells you the end you said the end only means another beginning of something new that's coming along that's going to be more awesome than what I've seen before. Sometimes the best part of the movie that makes you laugh the hardest, the part of the movie that unites the Hulk with Iron Man. Sometimes when Safius, the bald-headed guy in the wheelchair in Exivia, they say he's dead. But after the end, it looks like he's back again. You watch all these superhero movies and funny movies. The end doesn't mean the end anymore. And I, God spoke to me today and I wrote it down. I believe it's prophetic. We're living in an hour and an age. They say it's the end of America. They say it's the end of the way we know things. It says it's the end of peace. It's the end of our family growing and growing strong. They say there's a lot of ends going on. But it ain't no end because we believe in a God who is the beginning and the end. And it is not over because when it seems over, he'll raise it back up and say, go again, go again, go again. Oh, that's the type of God. Come on, let's stand up and praise him. Let's stand up and praise him. And I'll leave you with this quote from a theologian named Barth. Faith beholds life and existence when the men of the world sees nothing but death and non-existence. <laughs> How many can see life tonight? Anything that resembles death, the end, 
it's over. But my God says it lives. <sighs> because he lives. It's not over. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, my sister, all fear is gone. Because I know my God. And life is worth the living just because he lives. I'm thankful for the promises. I'm thankful for the power. But I worship the person, the immortal, invincible, almighty God. Glory to God. Boy, I feel like I go to Haiti and preach right now. Man, I don't want to go to bed. I think I'm going to go to Haiti and preach. Oh! Mm. Mm. Father, we praise you and we worship you that you are orchestrating all things for our good. And Lord, even as it did not depend upon Abraham except for him believing in you, worshiping you, we worship you in spirit and in truth. Not based upon laws and regulations of men, religious ideas of men, but Lord, upon your holy written word and because of who you are and what you've done for us. If you didn't withhold the best you had, your word says you will not withhold any other thing. So we praise you and we thank you for your living and abiding and causing things to work for our good. That you be glorified even more and more. We praise you and we thank you for it. Bless your children here and those watching by internet and listening by CD in the future. Bless them. And let life, your life, be stirred in the spirit man of every person here. And may we come alive with the life of you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Love you. God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you. If not, we'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you.